The following program, the Doris Davenport Show, all local, all the time, is brought to you in part by Doris Davenport. The views and opinions therein do not represent those of Newsweb Radio Company or its management. The following message is supported by the Proviso Township Mental Health Commission. Are you looking to stop using substances or gambling, but you're not sure where to turn? There's help right here in your community at the Wayback Inn. Visit waybackin.org. Waybackin.org. Did you know that the Oak Park River Forest Community Foundation has a website, a Facebook page, and a Twitter feed? And they're easy to find. Search online for OPRFCF. See what's new. Find a scholarship. Donate to support local nonprofits. Join a group or just connect. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy, happy, happy New Year. Welcome back to the Doris Davenport Show. My name is Doris Davenport, and I am your host for the hour. I am so glad to be back with you. I trust that everybody had a wonderful holiday. Even if you spent it by yourself, I just hope that this was a year where you chose authenticity and just did it your way. Paul, did you do it your way? I did. You did? did? I finally got to go out on New Year's Eve with my wife. We went and saw a show at the Beat Kitchen. So, oh, wonderful. Instead of the usual boring old stay at home, yep. do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it was nice. That is so good. And, you know, for me, it's all about the family. Mm-hmm. And every Christmas, my mother makes the house just like a fairy tale. And this was no different. Oh, that's neat. My sisters were there, all but one. The kids, it's all about the kids. We have a new baby in the family who's about to turn one year old, Mr. Charles Atlas Jr. Oh, that's a fun time that like one to two years old old, too, is such a great time. So Isn't it's going to be it? a big year for him. I can't wait. I'm so, so excited. And my niece, who's a nurse, is just so great about sending me pictures. And I'm the baby's godmother. I'm her godmother as well. So it was a real treat. Okay. But um, we FaceTime as much as we can. And, you know, there's just nothing like a baby falling asleep on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm excited for the year that's coming up. We're about to embark on our next election in Chicago, we are in the market for either the same mayor or a new mayor. I have some opinions about that. I won't share them today, but I do hope to have some of the candidates on uh, in the next month talking about this election and some of the many issues that are at stake. Uh, This is an election, you know, people get into the presidential election, but nothing impacts your daily life more than your local elections. And we want to make sure that We have somebody sitting in City Hall who represents our individual interests. So you have to ask yourself the question, is your life better off today than it was four years ago? That's the question we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. But today... I'm excited, Paul, because today a friend of mine is going to be my guest, someone that I've known and admired for a really, really long time. Now, I haven't been doing radio for a long time, probably, I think, maybe seven years now I've been um, doing radio, but less than a decade. And this man, who is our guest today, is the only person other than my previous guest host, my previous co-host, um, whom I would let 
guest host for me when I was out of town and away. He is just a renaissance man, if there ever was one, and we're going to hear so much about him during this conversation. And one of the other things that we decided uh, to do for this particular uh, interview, and, and it's going to be more like a conversation. In fact, you know, I like to have the kinds of discussions where I feel like I have guests over and we're just sitting at my kitchen table having a conversation. That's my style. It's the best way to do it. Isn't it? So we're going to have um, uh, Stan West at uh, my kitchen table. And we are then going to invite a few friends over here and there as we go through the hour. But let me tell you a little bit about this young man. This young man is a former foreign correspondent for the San Francisco-based Pacific News Service. Stan West um, is retired now, but um, he's still a working journalist, I think. Uh, for a long time, he reported for the Wednesday Journal and WPNAF. At WPNA AM and the Doris Davenport Show. Um, he's been a conflict journalist and cultural reporter most of his career. He's a documentarian who coordinates the Oak Park International Film Festival. I think all 17 of them. Um, Stan West has written and co-authored several award-winning nonfiction books, including Suburban Promised Land, which won the 2010 Illinois State Historical Society Award for Excellence. He's worked for decades in broadcast and print journalism. He taught writing, television, and media literacy. Stan West received his MFA in creative writing from the University of New Orleans. His thesis was on American expatriate writers in Paris and Madrid. His form was creative nonfiction. He holds a master's in the teaching of writing from DePaul University and a bachelor's in rhetoric from the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. He's studied French, Italian, Arabic, Japanese, Spanish, and Zulu. He has bilingual twin sons and a daughter who are all college grads and a psychiatrist wife. Stan West appeared in a 2019 Rutledge anthology, Approaches to Teaching the Works of Edwidge Dantecott. He's presented on creative nonfiction for Wadsworth Cengage's 2014 conference. And his book that we're going to talk about today as well was James Baldwin's Black Lives Blues Are Mine, which came out in 2021 for Kendall Hunt Publishing Company. I bring to you my friend, Stan West. Welcome back to the Doris Davenport Show. How are you, Stan? Oh, Doris, thanks for inviting me back. Feels good to be back home <laughs> at the kitchen table. At the kitchen table, that's right. How many times have we spent at the kitchen tables on the various stations? Now, Stan West, whom I know, uh, met in Oak Park when I moved to Oak Park over a decade ago. Um, and Stan West is somebody whom I do believe, Stan, everybody in Oak Park knows you. I think everybody knows Doug Wyman, but I think everybody knows you as well. What brought you to Oak Park and when did you first go to Oak Park? Well, you know, our families blended uh, some three decades ago, so I've been in Oak Park uh, since 93. Uh, and so that's what brought me to Oak Park. Uh, typical of many folks of color who moved from, you know, let's say High Park in Chicago as uh, single folks uh, to married folks in Oak Park. So that's kind of, you know, not an unusual journey. 
from, from what I've learned from, you know, talking with many uh, families uh, in the last three decades. So that that's kind of why I came here. Uh, you know, I kind of grew up uh, with folks at the Wednesday Journal. Uh, my wife instructed me the best way that I could better learn the community is sort of engage as a reporter. And, you know, Lawrence will be joining us later. Uh, and I had kids who grew up together. I mean, we watched our kids be born, you know, here in Oak Park, uh, you know, while being connected with the Wednesday Journal. So I feel, you know, connected both as a, as a journalist, as a citizen, you know, just as a person, as a family man. And maybe the most important things, you know, I'd say that I've contributed, as you sort of hinted at, mm-hmm. that, you know, I have a college grad kid. Both <laughs> of them have two college degrees. I mean, all three of them. And I'm really, really proud of, of all of our kids. And I'm proud that, you know, I have a psychiatrist wife who's who's done a lot of service for the three decades or more uh, in the Oak Park area. So, you know, that that's why I'm here. Uh, was here, but I have uh, I've taken a a, a, a turn uh, south, uh, and now I'm in Tampa. I had to sell our. Oh wait, now this is news, home. though. Wait a minute, wait, 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 because this is breaking news. We have to set this up. As long as you have been in Oak Park, a lot of people still in Chicago at the Columbia um, uh, campus. A lot of people do not know that you have left Oak Park. Officially. Yes, I'm gone. Gone. Over. I'm in gone. In the wind. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the wind. And, you know, I've always been a traveler, a gypsy, a refugee. So it's not unusual and it's not uncharacteristic. But to be honest, uh, after, you know, during the pandemic, greedy corporate landlords forced my twin sons to move after their landlords increased their rents by 33 percent. And after that, I knew that there was something that mom and dad had to do. And so we sold our large Oak Park home on Oak Park Avenue. Mm -hmm. And we downsized to a small Tampa condo uh, so that we can give our kids, our twin sons, uh, you know, down payment for uh, a home of their own in whatever city they choose. Our daughter already owns her townhome in South Common. She's an ER nurse mm-hmm. uh, during the week, and she flies with one of the airlines during the weekend. She is a Renaissance person, too, so we're very proud of her. <laughs> She's all hooked up. You know, the, the younger brothers for her, and so that's kind of why we, we did that, and nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a secret, except for the painters who got a little... Uh, upset with me uh, in June because, you know, I I did something maybe I I wasn't supposed to because, you know, I've I've had lots of uh, pluses, you know, but maybe my biggest regret has been both a a curse and a blessing is that, you know, I write stories sometimes Mm -hmm. that occasionally on a rare moment will save lives, so as to say, even reunites families. Oh, my goodness. I I love it. but I haven't done as much of that as I, as I wanted to because of logistical mm-hmm. family and occupational responsibilities. Sure. Have, and should have, but I did not. <laughs> so I have to deal with that. But what but, I did last June, right when I was packing up our whole house so the painters could prep the inside and the outside, I went to France. 
Monaco, Italy, and I've virtually presented a formal lecture at the University of the Aegean in Rhodes, Greece, which is a stone's throw from Turkey. You can see Turkey <laughs> at night. All the, places, the refugees of color pour in daily, and I went there to interview them and photograph them, and I did so without a fixer, which is an assistant guide, which is the way you know professionals usually operate, but I couldn't afford it. So I had to do it all on my own. <laughs> it was magnificent. And upon my return, my impatient painters cursed me out. Who do you think you are leaving us here? You're going out, you know, stretching around the Mediterranean. And who do you think you are? My, my kids, we had to house our dog, was grumpy. And my college even raised his eyebrows. Yes, they did. And how, on one hand, I did formal readings on my new book on James Baldwin and these touristy places in the day, but at night I did my photojournalism <laughs> who looked just like me and Doris just like you. you oh, I love it. I love it. But, right. but you know what, Stan? One of the things that I've always loved about you is your family. And I think that it is just no surprise that you... For so many years, I, you'll have to tell us how, when you started, when this idea first came to you. Even you know, when I think, when I look at you, I always call you a Renaissance man, but I also always think of you as an international person. You are the most pro-black person that I know, and at the same time, you are absolutely just, you know, without a doubt. An international man. I mean, you know, being a foreign correspondent and all, I'm sure that plays in. But you started the Oak Park International Film Festival, and we've got Joyce Porter on the line, who I do believe worked with you on all 17 of those festivals. Am I right? That is correct. She's the godmother of our film festival. Hey, Joyce. Hi. Thank Hi. you for joining us. And I know you are involved in a conference right now. So you broke away to join Stan and I, and we appreciate it. What was it like working with Stan all these years? Well, it's very gratifying. Um, every year he'd say, what do you have this year? And even if I weren't thinking about a film or something, I'd start thinking and I'd go, yeah, I've got something that we can show. And I always felt so appreciated, and I met such interesting people, and uh, it was really a great experience. And he'd always have a, a reception the night before, and I'd get to interact with people like you, Doris. <laughs> uh, you know, get to meet mm-hmm. very interesting people. And I'm, Stan, I, frankly, I'm sorry to hear that you've left Oak Park. You're going to be missed. But um, Well, thank you. Uh, I will miss Oak Park, and I'll certainly miss you, Joyce. Yeah, I, I always uh, enjoyed seeing you and talking with you, and uh, you are an impressive international person, and your kids are international, and it's just really something. And I'll tell you something, mm-hmm. submitting to your festival inspired me, and this year, and normally it's a job of the director or the producer to submit films to festivals, this year I decided to submit a film, Stairs, which uh, I think was shown at your festival, and submitted to different film festivals on my own. And I won, it was in a bunch of festivals, and I won a bunch of Best Actress Awards. Wow. And, 
Yeah. Um, Excellent. 11 Best Actress Awards. And I think that oh, you get some credit for that. Mm-hmm. For, for giving me that sense well, that as, as an actress, I can have that empowerment to submit things and put my projects forward. Well, you know, uh, we, we we built on, on you, your talent, your success. You were part of each and every one of the 17 uh, events that you, you were able to host. And you probably don't remember, Joyce, but one time you even cursed me out. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, <not> literally. <laughs> Come on, Joyce, give us the dirt. Give us the dirt. Look, I know Stan, so he probably deserved it. Well, uh, it wasn't something I did. It was something that I didn't do. Uh, that's oh, it was what it was. on a major Jewish holiday. So I complained about right. that. That was, that, that was one thing. That, that was one thing, and we never <laughs> did that again. So it was on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We never did that on the Jewish High Holidays, ever, ever again. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You were all the other folks yeah. not to do that, too. So you're, you're right about that. But what you really <laughs> made you upset uh, was that your film was going to be screened, and there wasn't any advanced publicity, and you asked me who the and I dropped the ball on that. And the funny thing was that the day after the film festival, it was reviewed by, I believe, uh, the Chicago Tribune or some one of the dailies did a little something, and you were like, well, that was okay. You know, but they could have been uh, like, yeah. But I remember you were a little upset. But that was okay. I'll, I'll take that from you, Joyce. <laughs> well, I think that is just absolutely fabulous absolutely fabulous and 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 Joyce has been busy Joyce just recently published a book herself um, mastering senior life all right thriving and surviving when yeah. did when did this hit mm-hmm. the stand when did this hit um, stores oh just a few weeks ago yeah yeah so you yeah. guys are you guys are busy I don't know how you find time to do all this stuff Writing. That's such a, that's such, that's something you have to have time to do, which I'm getting back into now. And I, this is why I'm asking the question for both of you. What is your, like, discipline? Like, how do, do you find that you have to have a schedule for writing? Is it the projects that call you to the desk to pull out the pen? What is it? Well, for me, I'm not very disciplined or scheduled or anything. It's just as the inspiration hits me. I'll be thinking about something and I'll think, I really need to tell people this. I really, I had this experience today and I really need to share it with people. And I will go to my iPhone and dictate the idea, write it out um, verbally, and then send it to the computer and then edit it. Mm. uh, It might be two weeks between, it might be a month, you know, where I don't write anything, but then I'll go, yeah, yeah, I really need to tell people this, because it's a, a nonfiction book. It's a, um, an aid to people. So that's how I, I, I do it. I, I don't know how people who write full-time do. Yeah, well, the thing that you two have in common are these, these films, you know, Stan, you know, writing documentaries, and what's your, what's your discipline like? Well, you know, uh, I think Joyce is, is on to something because I think for most folks that uh, is one way to get started. Uh, 
But for, you know, most of us professionals, we just have to sit down at a scheduled time every day and do it. We got to work it like a job. And I've studied this and, and professional writers from all stripes and all identities and ethnicities all talk about it, treating it like a J-O-B. And you have to have that discipline. Now, it's not always great stuff that comes you know, after a couple <laughs> sips of coffee and sitting at the computer or at your pen and paper. You know, what, whatever vehicle you use to put it down, but you have to do something at the same time. Now, at Columbia College, I hear my students argue, oh, well, I'm waiting for the inspiration. And so I and I'm like, no, you can't work like that. You can't roll like that. You got to sit down and do something. You got to get busy. And so that's what I've learned is that you have to uh, schedule uh, some time in. And it doesn't have to be great, but it has to get done. It has to get done. That is so true. Well, listen, Joyce, I want to thank you so much for joining us um, to give, pay tribute to Stan West. Why don't you give him some parting words? Well, I want to thank you, Stan, for all your contributions to Oak Park. You've been one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Well, bless you. And ditto for you, Joyce. And I feel badly that, you know, the festival is no longer, but we did the best we could for as long as we could. Uh, Thanks in part to you and to Eve Hughes, Jr., and to Donna Watts, who co-founded it with us, you know, 17 years ago. And you were there at the beginning, and you were there at the, at the end. And, and there was only a hiccup or two along the way, but you stayed with us, and I liked that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a great experience, so thank you. Great. Well, Joyce, we'll be chatting soon. I've met a new friend, so I look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Stan, you know, you mentioned writing, and uh, you earlier you mentioned um, the Wednesday Journal, which, of course, is the local paper in Oak Park. And uh, Dan Haley, who's the publisher, at one time also published uh, Chicago Parent, which has been sold. I think it was sold a couple of years ago. Uh, but he also has um, um, helped Michael who started the Austin Weekly News, and I believe he's got another Maywood paper now. You um, you did quite a tenure there at Wednesday Journal. When did you first start working at Wednesday Journal? And, and, and I have to say, um, a very, very dear friend of yours and becoming a friend of mine is also on the line, and that's Lords Nichols. All right. Hi. Excellent. Excellent. Hi, I'm here. Hey, Lord. hey, how are you, Lords? I'm so glad you could make it. I'm so honored to be a part of this, Stan. I have so many wonderful, I've had so many wonderful experiences with you. And even though you're going to be in Tampa, I know that we will always be connected. <laughs> because as soon as I met Stan, there was immediately a connection, and I think it has to do with the fact that we were both in the Bay Area at the same time, uh, and that kind of is one of those uh, Bay Area people kind of have something going on, I guess. So that that's what, uh, in the beginning when I found that out, it definitely added to our connection. Not only were we in the Bay Area at the same time, I visited your high school, Berkeley High, and you were there. I did a story on Berkeley High because it had the most biracial uh, students of any place 
around in the U.S., uh, not just the high school, but Berkeley in general. Berkeley was the most biracial community in the U.S. Uh, in the mid-'80s, I recall, and I did a story for one of the dailies. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's so that amazing. Was a cool, uh, when I first moved to Illinois, my husband said, you're going to like Oak Park because you're from Berkeley, and, you know, Stan and I ended up uh, in the same place, so I feel like it was meant to be. Wow. Well, well said. When did your paths cross um, with the Wednesday Journal? God, it must have been nearly three decades ago. Yes, I started, I've been at the Journal for 27 plus years, and I was reading Stan's column before I even started working there, and I thought he was such a celebrity, I was kind of scared to talk with him. (laughs) And then... When I did get to talk with him, I'm like, oh, my gosh, goodness, this guy is so cool. And we always just hit it off no matter what. And uh, we'd run into each other and we would <laughs> chat. And I was able to be a part of um, Stan's classroom at Columbia. I was able to be a part of the film festival. And I even was able to drop off Stan at the train for his, <laughs> his send off from Oak Park, which is bittersweet because I didn't want to do it, but I was like, I'll drive you to the train. So, you know, I kind of feel like I've had um, a cool experience to be able to say I did that. From roots to fruits, show you right. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Do you, Stan, do you remember um, being recruited by Lourdes? By Lourdes. Oh, you didn't recruit him? And Jocelyn Jocelyn was a Jamaican columnist, and he wanted me to take his place as a columnist there. He also wanted me to uh, become one of the board members and and buy shares in it. And there was a time when they were allowing folks to do that, but I wasn't allowed to be one of those that was able to do that. But I sure tried. (laughs) But I remember uh, running into Lourdes. And that we both had young kids, and I watched our kids kind of grow up together. They're, you know, not far apart in age, and so it was was great to sort of, we grew up and our kids grew up. (laughs) I know, it happened so fast. Indeed, it definitely did. And, and, you know, I also met Lord's mom, uh, Mm. Boomy Knox. And uh, Fumi was one of the most interesting people I ever met as a as a reporter. You know, I've met several people who have maybe a total of four, two men and two women mm-hmm. who survived uh, the Japanese internment camps, which is kind of a, a, a what's it called? Where it's 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 not a strong enough term for a concentration camp and. Mm-hmm. And and Lord's mom was one of the people who really moved me a lot and told me a lot about her experience. And I remember Lord's and I were at a. Um, it starts with yeah. an Allen. Uh, right, Alan we were at the. Then they came for me. The Alphawood. Um, Alphawood. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, and it was a, it was a photo exhibit, and your mom was showing me 
her birth certificate because she said that some people wouldn't believe that she was born there and she was pointing her finger <laughs> at it with tears in her eyes and I felt really bad because mm-hmm. you know, you're not supposed to make stories and cry when they're telling <laughs> you a, a story that you, you may publish and so I, I asked Lord if she would come over and take a picture of us just to kind of lighten up the mood but and mm-hmm. she did and it was a it was a very moving moment and when you uh, I saw you outside the Wednesday Journal, and I invited you to come to my class and, and tell my students about the story. And they were so moved that they pulled out their cell phones and they said, "Dude, we got to do a story, a class project, a group project." Only a few of them had even heard about the Japanese internment camps, and so it was a, a learning experience for them, really for all of us. And so I, I appreciated Lord's coming and what, what we did. My students put together a very short doc. It was not as polished as, you know, some of the Columbia students often do, but we snuck it into the film festival, and Lawrence is wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) But we had to show it, because just my students didn't know much about the experience of Japanese Americans, uh, who, unlike German Americans and Italian Americans, were 110,000 were forced during World War II to go to internment camps. Nobody's arguing that Italian Americans, nor Japanese Americans, nor German Americans should have been put in there. But the president at that time, who was a Democrat, uh, uh, did so and said that race had nothing to do with it, something that we both know is bogus. And I remember uh, Lord's mom, who was a lawyer, uh, she identified with what's happening along the U.S.-Mexican border Right now, the mm. president is there. The president is there as, as we speak. He, he is there right now. That's and right. He's not going where the refugees are. He's going where the law enforcement folks are, and people are crying foul. They're crying shame because this new dispensation should not be there, and it's both parties at fault. Uh, and so that's what, something that I learned from uh, your mom, Lords, and from you, and even some of your colleagues who visited. Manzanar, where your mom was interned, where your mom was born. Your mom was born in an internment camp, and your grandmother had to walk in the snow for a mile. When I heard that, even I started crying, and I'm a gangster. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to thank you both for that. I, I, I thank both of you, um, Stan, Lourdes, and I talked. I'm still, I'm going to try to find that show so I can make sure that she gets a copy of it. I'm going to do my best to try and find that. From 2018 is when we covered that, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I agree with you, Doris. Stan is an international renaissance man, mm-hmm. and I'm so honored to be your friend and uh, I will miss you, but I know that you'll be back. And I told you I'd pick you up at the airport to visit your mom, and I will do that. So count on me. I will well, bless you. I may <laughs> take you up on your kind and generous offer, Lord. Thank you Anytime. so much. Anytime. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk soon. Okay, sounds good. Wow. Stan, you know so many interesting people. How does it feel to just have well, these all these people think so well of you. 
Does it go to your head? Well, you know, I think well of them, and it, it's that kind of community. Oak Park creates a sense of community. It does. I think that's what attracted all of us here and what kept all of us here. I mean, I feel like I'm still there. Even though I'm sitting up looking at out my window at Lake Chase, I had to turn the air on because it got up to about 78 inside of the condo here. And so I don't know what it is outside, but it must be high 70s or something. But the sun, the southern exposure, and it makes it warmer than it actually is. And so uh, I had to have some kind of peace of mind so that I could continue writing. I haven't quite retired. I'd, I'd like to, but there's too many stories to tell. There's just too much drama. I mean, just today, I it was the 100th anniversary of Rosewood. We all saw the movie, this John Singleton movie about how uh, whites uh, over a lie that some black man had raped a white woman, uh, uh, set people on fire and shot and killed. Uh, and CNN had a report just a couple hours ago, and there was a descendant of Rosewood. Mm. She was a woman. I think that the interview was done two decades ago, because mm-hmm. I don't think the lady is still with us. And she said that her grandfather was one of the people there in this uh, southern Florida town in 1923, on this day in Black mm. history. And he was one. He only had one arm, and the, the the white supremacists grabbed him and made him take a shovel and dig his own and grave. dig his and own grave. Grave was done. Uh, Doug, they uh, shot him in the back of his head, and that really moved me. That you know, a hundred years later, there's still these atrocities. There's yeah, still these yeah. crimes affecting all kinds of ethnicities and identities and uh, religious minorities, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and, and it shouldn't be that it way. It shouldn't so, be that way. And Stan, we're, Stan, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to just say before we go into the break, you know, when you talk about that, that woman who gave that interview, I think she also said something like when she was five years old, her mother entrusted her with this lifelong mission. And that mission was to keep Rosewood alive. And she's got all these artifacts and all kinds of things. Like, it's like all of her life prepared her, you know, to tell this history of Rosewood. And, you know, you, no one may have, may, may never have audibly spoke those words to you, you know, to keep our history alive and to be an international ambassador. But I believe in my heart of hearts that that is just a spiritual mission that you have just always had. Uh, we're celebrating Stan West today. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back with the Doris Davenport Show in just a moment. Paul? Has substance use or gambling taken over your life? Are you using substances or gambling to cope with difficult emotions or experiences? You may feel like you have to face life's challenges on your own in silence. But the reality is that we all need help sometimes. You are not alone. There's help available right here in your community at the Wayback Inn. The professional counselors at Wayback Inn can help you to heal and rebuild your family and your relationships, to live a new life in recovery from substance use or gambling. If you're looking for lasting change and a renewed lease on life, Wayback Inn is here to help. Begin your journey today. Visit waybackin.org. That's waybackin.org. This message is supported by the Proviso Township Mental Health Commission. Did you know that the Oak Park River Forest Community Foundation has a website? 
a Facebook page and a Twitter feed, and they're easy to find. Search online for OPRFCF. See what's new. Find a scholarship. Donate to support local nonprofits. Join a group or just connect. The weather's getting warmer. Time to enjoy the outdoors, biking, hiking, sports. Pains and sprains. I hate venturing out. Let me give you something for that. A Band-Aid? The number to Dr. Victor Romano, 708-848-4662. I'll need a body cast. How about holistic healing? Can you explain that? Not as well as Dr. Victor Romano, 708-848-7662. One Erie Court, Oak Park. The following message is supported by the Proviso Township Mental Health Commission. Are you looking to stop using substances or gambling, but you're not sure where to turn? There's help right here in your community at the Wayback Inn. Visit waybackin.org. Waybackin.org. The weather's getting warmer. Time to enjoy the outdoors, biking, hiking, sports. Pains and sprains. I hate venturing out. Let me give you something for that. A Band-Aid? The number to Dr. Victor Romano, 708-848-4662. I'll need a body cast. How about holistic healing? Can you explain that? Not as well as Dr. Victor Romano, 708-848-7662. One Erie Court, Oak Park. It's time for the Doris Davenport Show Sports Update. I'm just going to give NFL scores today. The Blackhawks are in action tonight at the United Center against the Flames. But we know the Chicago Bears have lost today. Now, normally, Bears fans would be kind of sad about that. But I'm noticing throughout the Twitter sphere, Bears fans are pretty happy about that. And why would that be? Because the Bears, for the first time since 1947, have the first overall pick in the NFL draft coming up this spring. Last time the Bears drafted number one overall was 1947. They drafted Bob Fenimore, who... Yeah, he only played 10 games that season for the Bears, and that was the end of his career. But uh, the Bears should do better this time around. Some better news, though, to report. Uh, Doris's Bills won today, and not only did they win today, DeMar Hamlin got to watch the game today from his hospital bed and was live tweeting and responding and sent uh, you know pictures and just uh, showing that he appreciates the love and the prayers that he's been getting from everybody. So uh, what, what an amazing comeback for him uh, to see him just responsive after Monday. That was crazy. Um, just so so tragic that night. So a happy happy, uh, not ending because he's got a long road to go, but but a happy trending direction that he's going in right now. But some scores quickly here. Uh, yesterday, Chiefs beat the Raiders. Jaguars beat the Titans. Today, the Steelers beat the Browns. The Bengals beat the Ravens. Vikings beat the Bears. Bills beat the Patriots. Dolphins beat the Jets. 11-6. to That's an old school score. 30-17, to the Falcons beat the Buccaneers. Panthers, 10-7 to over the Saints, the Texans squeaking by the Colts to allow for the Bears to have the number one pick, and currently the 49ers lead the Cardinals 7-6 in the first quarter, Rams-Seahawks tied at 3, Chargers-Broncos to 7-0 lead for the Chargers, 3-0 lead for the Eagles on the Giants, and tonight the Lions and the Packers, if the Packers win, they're in the playoffs, I'm not going to go over every scenario, but it's either Packers, Lions, or Seahawks for the remaining NFC spot. Hey, that's your sports report.
And welcome back to the Doris Davenport Show. This is Doris Davenport, your host, and I'm here with my friend, Stan West. Stan, we're going to do a little something-something here. I want to, rather than me talk about your love for James Baldwin and my love for your book, James Baldwin's Black Lives, Blues Are Mine, I'm going to play a five-minute video, and I think everybody listening... Draw close to the radio. It's a beautiful description of the relationship and the origins of how this book came together. So why don't we take a listen to Stan West talking about James Baldwin's Black Lives Blues Are Mine. And at the end of this interview, we're going to bring in the editor of the book, uh, Jeff Brown. Paul? I'm Stan West. I'm an author, journalist. I published with Kendall Hunt Publishing Company, James Baldwin's Black Lives Blues Are Mine. Uh, it's available on the Kendall Hunt Publishing Company website. It is only an ebook, only an ebook. So please support it. It means a lot to our global conversation on race, gender, sexual orientation, and class. The title of my book is James Baldwin's Black Lives Blues Are Mine. And what the title means is that his blues, which connected with police misconduct, and my blues, which connects with police brutality, are essentially the same, though we are writers from different eras, different generations. And blues is a motif both culturally, but also in the lyrical language that we both write. James Baldwin was the best essayist from the 20th century. Joan Didion was close, uh, Virginia Woolf was close, but Baldwin was better. Even my teacher, Ishmael Reed, was close, but Baldwin was better. Um, and I pale in comparison, but I write essays too. And so from both a structural stylistic perspective he was an influence but more so the content and how he talked about racial and social justice and gender justice um, and I met him in Oakland through an invitation from Ishmael Reed that I studied with and Ish said come meet Jimmy and I uh, talked with Baldwin briefly in Oakland where Ishmael Reed gave him a, uh, an award uh, for his body of work. And I told him that I had read some of his books on my parents' bookcase and that I was cool with his writing and so were my parents, but that my Black Panther friends weren't feeling him. They felt that he was not angry enough. And Baldwin looked me in the eye and he said, show me a black man who's not angry and I'll show you a fool nigga who's lost. Stunned, I sat my narrow ass down thinking, wow, this interview is over. <laughs> and so uh, it was the right question to ask, and I felt uncomfortable making him uncomfortable, but that is what the story deserved. And I believe he respected me for that, uh, though I... <laughs> I paid a little bit of a price, but I'm not a proud person, so it's okay. The next year, Baldwin died. I was saddened, like the whole literary world, like the whole world, that someone who had created great art was gone. 
and he never achieved the fame that he deserved. And I felt bad for his family that they deserved better, and he most definitely deserved better. And that upset me. Um, and I thought about that, and I thought that maybe, just maybe, one day, I might be able to tell a little bit about him. I later did so about a decade or so later in a book called Profiles of Great African Americans in a chapter. And I was able to do it in a richer, deeper way with James Baldwin's Black Lives Blues are mine. And while bourbon wasn't at the backdrop, often there was cognac. When I met Baldwin, he was drinking cognac and I was drinking cognac. And we yacked our slacks and toasted to that. Here's the thesis statement on me and Baldwin. It begins, the question remains, how would I write about the Black Lives Matter uprising in such a way that would call upon the ancestors like Baldwin? This is my journey. This is my quest. This is how I sought sources to answer it. In my two-track narrative, I'd reply this way. Penning James Baldwin's Black Lives Blues are mine. I've used a public story about police misconduct and lack of consequences for their deadly deeds and a private story, an open letter to my twin sons and daughter as well as to the gender non-binary female straight and gay members of my own family on how we deal with these issues, beginning with scenes from male retreats. I go back and forth in time using flashbacks in the present tense and current events in the historical present. It's not magical realism, and I'm not a magical Negro. I'm on a mission. It is in within this bluesy, improvised style of fusing public and private spaces that perhaps I pay homage to Baldwin's point of view. Wow, that was absolutely beautiful. Let me bring on to the live line Jeff Brown, who edited that book. Uh, Jeff, are you here with Stan and I? I am. Oh, my gosh. Talk about walking down memory lane. What's it like to hear that? Well, you know, that did bring back a lot of memories from from editing the book. Thank you. (laughs) It's been been a while, and... uh, and, and and there are some vivid memories I have from passages in that book. That, uh, thank you for, for doing that, because I think they're uh, the, uh, part of what I talk about. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Do you have, when you think back at that experience of working with Stan um, to edit this book, you know, share share just, just a little bit about what you how you met Stan, and and how did you come to be the editor for this Baldwin book? Okay, so how did I meet Stan? Uh, and Stan will remember this vividly. <laughs> uh, uh, my wife, my late wife, Alice, used to uh, try to get me to go to this party, this jazz party that uh, John Wright, the, the uh, you know, you know we, he was playing Oak Park a lot, the pianist, but he throw this huge, huge uh, jazz party at where he lived in Matson, and he, he passed away some years ago. 
but she would always try to get me to go. And so she says, you got to meet Stan West. I said, okay, <laughs> honey. She says, no, no, no. you got to meet Stan West. Stan West, Stan West, Stan West. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. It may not sound like it, but I'm very introverted, so I didn't want to meet anybody. <laughs> off, I, off I went. So uh, I get there, and you know you meet somebody, and their eyes are, and you've, you've had this experience since you met Stan, you know, mm-hmm. you've got this, uh, like an eagle looking at you yes. like in, a, in a friendly way, mm-hmm. and I don't know what he saw in me, but he said, my wife said, and it's true, you'll like him, and <laughs> I did, immediately, mm-hmm. it was we hit it off great immediately. So uh, fast forward to, uh, you know, we become very friendly. And uh, and he asked me to edit the uh, the program for for a few of his uh, 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 film festivals. And, uh, you know, I said, oh, yeah, sure. I'd be glad to help. A couple times I even took some pictures. Uh, and then I guess. Uh, he he likes he likes still working with me, so he, he said, "I got this book. I, I want uh, could, could you edit it for me?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Walk in the park. I've never edited a book before. I'm glad to do it. And of course, you know, editing uh, something uh, that that long. Uh, it's not the it's not a hugely long book at all, but it's but it's longer than the stories that I used to edit as a, as a newspaper man. So. Uh, you know, it, that, that, that's so. You want to know what it was like? Yeah, that was, that's so, phenomenal. What did you learn um, about Stan? And and did 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 uh, Baldwin teach you anything during that journey? Oh yes. Well, because the, because the book kicks off from things that that that, uh, that mattered to Baldwin and also mattered to to Stan. Uh, the one thing you learn about someone when when he when Stan talks about his life and time his own life and times and I think he mentioned it in his uh, uh commercial there that uh, mm-hmm. uh, he had those retreats with his family uh you just see dimensions of the person like I know Stan as a you know he's, he's very into a civil rights and mm-hmm. and whatnot but but the depth of it and how how much it meant to him Right. I, I remember one part of the book where, uh, and I, I don't remember every detail, but it was a Thanksgiving gathering. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stan, but there was something going on on television, you know, uh, something racial in real time, and everybody had stopped to gather around the TV, and that he took that opportunity to give his son, one of his sons or both of his sons, I can't remember, you know, a lesson about civil rights in America. Mm, I could thinking, see it. You know, all so all these young, all these men are gathered there. You know, mm-hmm. some some is the elders, some is the is the newcomers, and he's passing along mm. something that they need to taking know them to, to school. Learn. Yes, taking them to school, something they need to learn to know. I see we're getting close to the hour, so I'll make this quick. Mm-hmm. So that's, 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 that kind of thing struck me because when I go to Thanksgiving dinner, the TV's off. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is gorging myself. <laughs> so, uh, that, 
That impressed me. But yeah, you're right. That stand, taking it all in, observing everything, keying in on things that most of us miss. Do you have any funny memories from your time working with Stan? Uh, well, not so much working with Stan. Uh, except, oh, well, you know, actually, this was it. He had an expression in the book, something and knack, I think it was. Something in knack. And I'm like, Stan, what is knack? <laughs> and maybe Stan can help me with because maybe I don't have the word, right word. And he says, oh, Jeff, that's cognac. Don't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yak. It must be yak. <laughs> yak. Yes, that's it. Yeah. So that's something I learned. I had We had a good laugh over it. There you have it. That's wonderful. Stan, can you believe that you guys are back together again? Well, uh, you pulled it off. <laughs> I appreciate uh, you bringing Jeff to the party. Uh, because, uh, without him, the book would have probably never been published. Uh, we were able to get it published uh, during the pandemic. It was hard to get anything published anyway, but getting something published in the pandemic took a miracle, and Jeff pulled a rabbit out of his head. God bless <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. We are up against the hour, and I want to give Stan an opportunity to talk about a couple of other things in the three minutes that we have left, but thank you so much, Jeff. I truly appreciate you joining us. Stan, tell us a little bit about um, kids, if you want to, um, where they are, are they following in your footsteps, and what's next for you? Well, the, the kids are all doing fine. Uh, we're going to give them a huge down payment so that they can get their own uh, bricks somewhere, hopefully not far from mom or dad. We'll right. See, but wherever they choose, it's all good. Está todos bien. And what I'm going to do, I'm going down the blues trail. I'm halfway done with a book on a blues artist, and I'm probably going to M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I to finish it off. I'm going to Mississippi uh, to hook it up. And, you know, everybody in Chicago who is black, they're either Sippies or Bama, so I'm going home. (laughs) Some of us are from North South Kakalaki. Indeed. Well, there we go. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, in that neighborhood. And, you know, other than that, I'm probably going to be doing some Tampa things at some of the libraries, some of the community centers, uh, some of the universities and colleges. Uh, I'm even going to get back into my photojournalist uh, bag, and I'm going on a cemetery walk uh, three Ooh. weeks from yesterday. So I'm looking forward to that because there's lots of history In about you know where people are buried and that kind of thing. So I want to help uh, visually tell that story. Oh, that's phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. And I know that (laughs) nobody's going to tell a cemetery story um, with all of the history like you will. Stan, thank you so much for joining the Doris Davenport Show. We love you. Give our best to your wife, your children, all who hold you up. What you've done for our community, for the international community, and I know there is so much more that you're going to be bringing us. Please let's keep in touch. With much, much love, Doug Wyman sends his love. You know, he's 94. He's having a party today, and that is why he could not join you. But he does send his best.
Well, I'm having a toast to you and Doug and the rest of the Oak Park family. Drink that yak, and I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. (laughs) It's the Doris Davenport Show. We'll be back next week. The following program, the Doris Davenport Show, all local, all the time, is brought to you in part by Doris Davenport. The views and opinions therein do not represent those of Newsweb Radio Company or its management.